The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to Jesus and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. He replied, What do you wish me to do for you? They answered him, Grant that in your glory we may sit one at your right and the other at your left. Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. Can you drink the cup that I drink, or be baptized with the baptism in which I am baptized? They said to him, We can. Jesus said to them, The cup that I drink you will drink, and the baptism with which I am baptized you will be baptized. But to sit at my right or at my left is not mine to give, but, for the, for, but is for those for whom it has been prepared. When the ten heard this, they became indignant at James and John. Jesus summoned them and said to them, You know that those who are recognized as rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones make their authority over them felt, but it shall not be so among you. Rather, whoever wishes to be great among you will be your servant. Whoever wishes to be first among you will be the slave of all. For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. I'm sure we've all used a similar phrase uh, as James and John have used at times in our life. Uh, the phrase kind of goes like this. Hey, can you, uh, can you do a favor for me? Right? Even though that the person doesn't know what the favor is, right? So the response is, well, what's the favor you're asking for, right? Because there are certain favors, right? Yeah, absolutely, we want to be able to help. But there are certain favors that we're just not able to do, right? Um, certain things that maybe are outside of our control or are beyond what we're willing to do. James and John go to Jesus today, and we sometimes read this as James and John kind of coming to him and asking for something that, of course, Jesus doesn't want to grant. You know, it's like, well, you're asking for honor in the midst of this, and why are you, why are you doing that? And so we kind of, uh, at least I know for myself, sometimes kind of dismiss James and John's uh, ask from Jesus. However, I think that we can also interpret it in the best light possible where power and honor and authority are actually not bad things in themselves, right? We actually sometimes actually desire uh, power or honor or authority to be able to sometimes do good, right? And so we think about James and John having a certain amount of authority as sitting at the right and the left, and perhaps, right, there's actually a good that they desired within this. However, for our, uh, and so I think it's important for us uh, to kind of think about it in some ways as not just something uh, to be dismissed right away, but as actually something, a prayer, a request from God that isn't bad. And so Jesus is not dismissing it because it's a, bad request. It's actually a good request, a desire to be saints, a desire to sit at the right and the left and be honored because of their uh, discipleship to Jesus. However, we hear that Jesus dismisses it and yet answers it at the same exact time. 
right? What's his response? His response is, you don't know what you're asking for. You don't know what you're asking for. And I think that's true a lot of the times when we make prayers and we make requests from God as well. We don't always know what we're actually asking for. And so in the spiritual life, we, a lot of what we do is we go before God and we ask him things, right? We, that's called petitionary prayer, right? We actually have a part in Mass that's specifically for that, the universal prayers of the faithful. However, many of our prayer lives are also praying for other people, right? Praying for good things, praying for ourselves, maybe struggles or different difficulties that we're going through and asking God's help in the midst of that. However, I would say one of the most, I think, deflating and perhaps difficult things in the spiritual life is when we make good prayers, when we ask good things from God, and yet they seem to go unanswered. We ask for good things. We ask for healing. We ask for resolution. We ask for peace. We ask for, you know, uh, that sin might, might fall away from us. And yet, our prayers seem to go unanswered. And what's our response to that? Well, sometimes our response is uh, kind of a response of, of I'll, I'll put it as magic, Right? Magic or superstition says that if I do something exactly right, then I'll get uh, kind of my response. And so sometimes we can do this with prayer. We can say, well, the reason why I didn't get my prayer answered is because I didn't pray exactly right. Maybe I need to tilt my head a little bit more to the right and say one more Hail Mary, and then my prayer will be answered. Right? That's not the problem a lot of the times Well, that's not the problem when we're praying. We're not just babbling like the pagans, and it's not just if I say enough prayers that then it will be answered, okay? It doesn't mean that the amount of prayers doesn't matter, right? It doesn't mean that prayer doesn't matter. It just means that it's not uh, the, sometimes the mode or the physicalness of it as much as the heart and desire and openness, right? It's not magic, in the sense that if I physically do the right thing, that it will trick the right, and God will all of a sudden answer, right? So we want to be careful about that, right? It's not because we didn't say it exactly right that the prayer is an answer. Another problem that we sometimes have with unanswered prayers is we sometimes uh, approach God with a type of prosperity gospel, Prosperity gospel means that if I'm in God's favor, that I will be blessed, right? If I, uh, and, and so sometimes televangelists can be kind of accused of this at different times, right? You give $1 and you're going to be blessed with $100 back. And the reason why you're not being blessed is because you haven't given enough, right? Uh, and we would say that's not the reason. Actually, we see within the saints that those who love God the most often suffer the most as well. Um, blessings are amazing from God. And God abundantly blesses us. But he doesn't uh, always, uh, the blessing is not always a response of exactly how much we love him or not. It's a free gift that he gives. And it's not uh, that we're not in his favor, that maybe he doesn't bless us 
with prosperity in this life. And I think that's a really important thing to be able to acknowledge with these unanswered prayers, is that it's not because God doesn't desire good things, but it's because he actually desires something more for us. So how do we approach God in this prayer? We should approach him with a prayer that he himself taught us, the Our Father. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thy will be done, right? Not our will, but thy will, right? And that can be really difficult because we want to say, well, we desire good things. But ultimately, at the end, we don't always know what we're asking for. And so I think the best kind of example is uh, a parent taking care of their child. Now, a parent serves the child, right? Uh, And gives many things to the child. However... It has to be very clear that the child is not the boss of the parent, right? We see that when that happens, right? That the child is the boss, that we, it's disordered, right? It's not quite right. Even though that the children or the parents serve the children, it doesn't mean that the children are the boss of the parents. And the same way with God. God serves us and desires to do good things for us, but we're not his boss, We don't tell him exactly what to do. We ask, and he desires to give us good things, but we don't demand or throw a fit or, you know, try to get around him. That's when we become childish in the worst sense possible, right? And so how should we respond? Well, it's like, I I think, uh, again, I kind of, I just love the image of the parent and the child because the child often desires good things for themselves that aren't really good, right? Um, And so one of the examples might be a child wants dessert, maybe ice cream right before bed. And the parent knows, hey, that's probably not going to work out that well. They're going to get too much sugar. They're going to be overexcited. They're not going to sleep well. Then they're going to be cranky the next day, right? It's going to be bad for them and bad for everybody involved. And so the parent says, no. Well, the child is desiring good things, right? Ice cream, right? Ice cream, which is a good thing, right? And shouldn't necessarily and, and can be properly received at the right times, in the right situations, in all goodness. But at that time, in that situation, it's not the best thing for them. And so the child is desiring something good for them, good for themselves, and they're asking for it, but it's not really good. And so the, the child can do a few different things. One is to throw a tantrum, right? And we do that a lot ourselves with God, right? We complain that God doesn't really love us, right? And that, oh, you don't really desire my good, right? You don't want what's good for me. And we kind of complain to him, right? And we'd say that's not quite the best approach to God. Second is we can sometimes go around him, right? We can maybe steal the ice cream, right? Go into the fridge and and take it ourselves, even though that our parents said no, right? And that's sometimes ourselves as well. Within the moral or spiritual life, when we receive an answer, we say, yeah, that's probably not good for you, but yet we do it anyways, right? We can sometimes, again, not trust God that he desires our good. And lastly, what we should do, the third option, is to accept. To be able to say, you know what? 
I don't know everything, but God does. Or your parents, you know, perhaps one of the things is even though that your parents aren't perfect, right? Parents know more, we hope, more than the children, right? And that they desire their good, right? And so in that trust uh, that the parents or God desires our good, that we ultimately trust him. That even though that our prayer is not answered in the way that we want, that God actually desires a greater good for us. And what's the greatest good that God desires for us? It's not health in this world. It's not financial security. It's not health of body and mind and all the different things or, or a freedom from all anxiety or even a freedom from all sin. But it's ultimately eternal life, which sometimes is born in the midst of great suffering, great difficulty, and great struggle in our life. And that doesn't mean that God's prayers are not, an- or that our prayers aren't answered to God. It just means that sometimes God has more in store for us than we do ourselves. And so today, when we read James and John, I want us to be able to see that they desired good things. And their conversation, their prayer with Jesus was not for nothing. Okay, Their prayer with Jesus and their request from Jesus was a good interaction. Even though their prayer was not answered in the way that they wanted, this prayer, this interaction, this conversation was actually fruitful. Because they came to a deeper understanding of God's will for them in their life, right? And so for ourselves as well, to never get up, give up in prayer, right? Never to give up asking for good things. But ultimately at the end, just as Jesus himself prayed in the agony in the garden, in the midst of great difficulty, knowing that he was called to lay down his life and to suffer for the forgiveness of sins, he himself even prayed, God, if this cup can pass, let it pass, but not my will, but your will be done. And that's ultimately what we want at the end of every single one of our prayers, right? Not my will, but your will be done.